Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Before we begin and we get to meet today's guest, I would like to drop our recommendation. And today's recommendation is from a good friend of the podcast and a brother, Steve Wardy, the host of Podcasters Live. He has other podcasts, but I'm going with Podcasters Live and I will drop the episode that has today's guest. And the episode is The Diversity in Podcast, Why It Matters. That's the episode that I'll be recommend, recommending. You can find it on YouTube and you can find it on the Podcasters Live uh, website. And there you'll meet today's guest. So that's a nice segue. See how I did it? Nice segue right there. You'll meet today's guest. I am honored to have Michelle Ngomi. See, I got it again. Oh, man, I, I should have that sound bite where you know it just has the applause just for the, for myself you know you know we have that saying that you know a lizard that falls from an iroko tree if nobody claps for it it claps for itself so always always <laughs> <laughs> so who is michelle i'll give you a little bit and then michelle will tell you about herself she's the host of the marketing for the culture podcast she's an inclusive marketing speaker she's a, uh the founder of the african-american marketing association I won't tell you where she has her heritage from. She'll tell us about that. Um, she's based in Houston. And she's a super-duper person who has a wealth of knowledge that we are going to be tapping from and tapping into today. And um, I'm so honored to have her join us today. And yes, there's a, a whole lot of um, gems that I'm hoping we will be receiving today. And... Without um, without saying too much, welcome to the show, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. I almost spoke French there for some reason. French is about to come out. And then I, I was like, wait, how do you say, how are you? Comment allez-vous. Comment allez-vous. Oh, yeah, I forgot that one. No, it, it, it me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you, you said it, so you, you remembered. So, yeah. That's Don't ask me the meaning, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. It's not going to happen. So... Before I get to the main questions, um, there was something that I saw in your in your profile that um, caught my my attention. What does it mean to be an inclusive marketing speaker? Oh, we're going there. Yes, let, let, I, I just wanted to get that because I, I, it's something that I, I yeah I don't think I've heard that before. So yeah, before we dive into your origin story, well yeah I think we should. Yeah, we should learn there about that first. Yeah, let's start. Okay. First. So, yeah, I'm an inclusive marketing consultant slash speaker. And uh, what I do, I help organizations with inclusive marketing development. So what does that mean? Um, inclusive marketing or diversity marketing is how you use your current marketing strategy, but then you bring the awareness of all of the diverse communities, right? So diversity goes beyond race, um, but are is your marketing efforts inclusive when it comes to 
um, race, sex, gender, um, religion, you know, whatever you're targeting, are you inclusive? Um, when we talk about historically, when we talk about mainstream America or mass media, we're talking about white America. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, I'm going to try not to go too deep because I'm in the middle of doing a lot of research for my book. Um, so I just help bring context to the importance of diversity and marketing. And I walk organizations through a framework. Um, and to sum it up, it's um, making sure that you have a diverse team that's working on these marketing campaigns, strategy, content. Um, that way you have a successful, diverse campaign for the end user. So if your team's not diverse, um, more than likely your campaign is not going to be as inclusive as it should be in today's climate. That's strong point. You know, <laughs> diverse teams, hey, and you end up with some scandal and then people are going to be like, well, who was in the room when that decision was made? Exactly. Then, like, exactly. Uh, then you have to release that speech saying, you know, we do not condone racism in any way or form. <laughs> Here we go. You could have, you could have avoided yeah. all that, you know. So. And you know, it's it's complicated. You know, I know. I, I, do, I do think there's you know good white people that mean well, but when you, and it's even hard to say, right? Because we've been coined the minority for so long, and technically we're not a minority. Um, but when you are a minority within any group. Um, you just have a different experience. You have a different lens and, you know, white people can't police white people because they're going to miss things. Um, So it's important to have a black guy, a Hispanic lady, um, someone in the LGBT community, someone of a different religion, a person um, that may have a disability you know, to add to the conversation in order for you to have a better team structure as well as your marketing efforts. That's true. I mean, even with my podcasting, I it's one reason why I made sure from the beginning I wasn't going to just be the podcaster for model immigrants, you know, or show mm-hmm. just one type of story because every time I've brought someone who came from, you know, quote-unquote, outside of my bubble. There's so much that they were talking about, even people who were from the part of Nigeria that I'm from, but, like, an example, someone, uh, the first gay man that I had on the podcast who grew up in similar, in in the southeastern area, but very close to the same area that I, I am from in Nigeria, his experience was totally different from mine. But I knew a lot of what he was talking about, but I understood why, when he explained why I couldn't, because re- I, I, I was like, wait a minute, why was I not seeing all this in the news? And then when he mm-hmm. said it, I it made sense. It made so much sense. I couldn't say, hell no, that's a lie. You, you Except if you just wanted to be contrarian f- for the sake of. Right. You knew deep down within you that, yes, there's a reason why... All this was hidden from you 
And that's why I had to bring someone like that on the podcast to share his story and share his experiences. And that's why I have, I'm always make sure I, I try to reach out and get every other, every person whose story, whose voice isn't always heard. And it's important. And, you know, I had someone who recently um, said, oh, you know, I'm giving Nigerians a good name. I said, it's, it's, what, what exactly is a good name? You know, if I, I, it's easy for me to just come out and say, you know, we all smile, we all sing hallelujah and all this. I can do that. But it's not always about my story. It's always, you know, everybody has a different experience. And you have to allow them come give their voice. So if I limit it to just one type of people, who am I helping exactly? You know, so you have to yeah. show the diversity in the stories, and yeah, so I, it, it's I'm I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing because you're helping, you're helping in in your in your own way. So it's great, it's great. Thank you. So now we can dive into your origins, and <laughs> to begin, we'll begin with your name. You got Michelle Ngomi. Two uh, names that stand out. So, what are the meaning of your names? So, my full name is Michelle Imade Ngome, and I am my middle name Imade. I named after my grandmother on my dad's side, mm. and then I have my dad's last name Bakosi Man. Um, but unfortunately, I do not remember or I don't know the meaning of my names my last name, particularly my middle name and my last name. Yeah, so, how, how do you spell Imade? E-M-A-D-E. Oh, E-M-A-D-E. Yes. Oh, I I know an uh, Imade from uh, Benin City that uh, mm. I think mm -hmm. is I-M-A-D-E or D-I. There was, mm. yeah. I don't. I can see that. I don't know if that, I don't, but it's from um, either Edo or Ishan tribes. Now that I'm thinking back, uh, yeah, she was a rival back then. Yeah, probably teenage crush, but rival. Well, I'll go rival now. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that just took me back to that name. I was like, huh. So, but uh, Benin is not because uh, like my my people, we are much closer to uh, Cameroon border but uh benin is closer to yoruba or to western nigeria mm -hmm. so uh, back in the day they were even considered western nigeria if you know benin history um, they always fight with yoruba people claiming that yoruba came from them or yoruba said it, it came from benin so that's their own beef so but <laughs> the name as soon as you said your middle name i was like huh that that just popped up in my head like in my day i was like wow i've heard that name before yeah so i was like huh is that so who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I love my name. Um, I'm very fortunate. I love my name. It's, it's definitely served me well in this journey. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because like, you know, when you're, so I was born in the States. Both of my parents are from Cameroon. But, you know, when you're in school or something about those school age years, people, adults would mispronounce my name right? And I don't know if it's, I was just too young to remember or whatever, but as a child, I didn't really correct them. You know, if they asked, I probably would, 
but I didn't take the initiative to correct them. And I felt like I was always overlooked. But now as an adult, um, it my name has served me well, especially as an entrepreneur, personal branding. It's It's been great. It's been a great asset. And then obviously, I've always loved my name, but now I know why. It just has a greater appreciation. Nice. So you've, you, uh, you mentioned that you were born in the States, but where were you born? And you've already given us a brief insight into your childhood. So yeah, uh, give us a full gist of your childhood. Oh, Lord. So I was born in Alva, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> you might be the first Oklahoma <laughs> on this podcast. I, I mean, like we have somebody my... who's lived in Oklahoma or who lives in Oklahoma, but you're the first born in Oklahoma. Yeah, I was like, my parents were passing through. Um, so my parents knew each other from back home. Um, obviously, they came to the States for college. Um, you know, they had their thing. They had their situation. So my mom left Oklahoma. We moved to Lubbock, Texas. Um, my dad was in Atlanta, but my first memory of my dad was in 1989 when I went to Cameroon for the first time um, to meet my family and obviously my dad and all that kind of stuff. But I was, how was I, six, seven? I was young. I was really, really young. And I'm knocking on 40 now. So the memory is definitely funny. And then my brother is five years younger than me. So I think he was two when we were there just to visit, you know, for a couple of weeks during Christmas break. But I'm always grateful for that experience because, you know, when you're at that age, you're not, I think things have changed now, but if you're going back to the late eighties, um, you're not exposed to too many things outside of your neighborhood. Right. Yeah. And at that time, there was just, and even now, well, no, but at that time, there was just a lot of negative pictures of Africa, yep. right? Not even knowing the country, but just the continent where they were still, you know, the, the infomercials in the middle of the night would have the skinny child with the big belly and flies all over, flying around their body. You got this white woman pouring water into the child's mouth so they can drink and donate now. Oh, man. <laughs> And it's like Africa, <laughs> no. But was it the right but, wood? Was it right wood? I had that. <laughs> well, the delicious. I had the commission. <laughs> listen, I keep it real, one hundred. So you know what I'm talking about. And um, so I was like, "We're going to Africa." Like, what you mean, and why? <laughs> why, why are we going there? <laughs> That's where you're from. <laughs> what? Oh, you're like what? No way. <laughs> <laughs> but um man i it was you know beautiful thing and you know it's just thank god i was a child right so just totally naive and it's just like we're taking a plane like, <laughs> so i mean i'm seven i'm seven eight years old like everything's a first yeah. you know we're taking a plane it's a 48 hour flight and um you know had a house and 
an outhouse. <laughs> and I remember it was the holidays and we could like walk around the village and people were giving us money uh, for Christmas. And I was like, oh, I, w- I want to do this every year. We <laughs> 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 need to come back every year. And um, I'm sure that's when I got my sweet tooth because then I started um, dripping, drinking top and eating sugar cane all day. Oh, yeah, sugar cane. <laughs> <laughs> so it was an experience. It was the first time I went to the zoo, uh, the first time I saw the ocean. I've been in love with water and the beach ever since. And, um, you know, that was that was a big part of my life or a big memory um, that I love. And, you know, fast forward at the age of 12, I went to go live with my dad in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, he had remarried. Uh, and my stepmom, she's also from Cameroon. So I lived with them, uh, graduated high school in 2000. And then I moved to Houston and I'm still trying to figure out this adulthood. Hey, ain't we all? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, adulthood. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. it's a sham. It's, it's a, a sham. sham. It is. It is. <laughs> you know, one of my nieces and nephew asked me some questions. I'm like, yeah, yeah, mama. yeah. It was, it was overrated. It's overrated. Completely overrated. Like, wait till you become a man. I'm like, yeah. When did I become a man again? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I look at my daughter now. And she, I'm, I'm, I'm a big girl. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a big girl one day. I say, Nah, nah. Uh, kid, enjoy it while you can, cause uh, stay in your place, baby. Yeah. Stay. Yeah, cause <laughs> as soon as it starts, you, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you gonna get it. You, you, you gonna be like, oh, that, that's why my mama and papa are like that. Oh, okay. That's now I get it. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. Um, what what city did you go to uh, your fir- on your first trip to Cameroon? I can't tell you. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Like, my I already have a semi bad memory. Um, so for me to recollect things thirty years ago, almost thirty years ago, yeah, it's challenging. Um, but yeah, so my dad is Bukosi. Um, and then my mom is Baminda. Oh, yeah, I've heard of Baminda. Yeah, so, and we have a great Cameroon culture here in Houston. Um, so it's refreshing. But, oh, okay. Yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because it, every, everything I've heard of Houston is, is just like Nigerians have owned that place. So, yeah, uh, all over. Ni- Nigerians, um, Pakistanis, and Indians, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think there's room for any other person to exist there. So, <laughs> no, um, you know the thing is, and I get this all the time, um, and I, I I look like my dad, so my dad speaks very proper. So it's always that, oh, you don't look African or you don't sound African. And then you got to turn into a butthole and be like, so what does African look like? What does African sound? <laughs> well, you know what I mean? And it's like, all right, people, come on now. But <laughs> so, so it's like, we're out here. My mom, she has a, she still has a very thick accent. 
Mm-hmm. And um, she's very popular and, you know, she has to, the travel on her face and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, the default is Nigeria. There's so many Nigerians. It's, everyone just assumes Nigeria is the continent. Yep. So I'm like, come on now. It's like, we out here. There's other countries. So that's why I have the Cameroon flag um, in my IG profile. I think my Twitter profile and um, maybe about five years ago, I was like, I'm not going to call myself African-American anymore. I'm going to, I'm Cameroon-American. You need to know exactly where I'm from. So. Yeah. that uh, You see, I, the only time I did some, uh, I, okay, minus when I was anti-Black, since I gave that up, the only time I was like, you know what, they might need to put a the cap on Nigerians was, uh, you know, we're we, we way too extra. So I was like, you know, after I, I, I had a few encounters in Texas, I was like, you know what, maybe maybe they need to build a wall again around Nigerians because they're, they're just way too many in this Texas place. You know? back, well, in, back in my single days, I met this lady. She she was from Haiti. Well, she, her family is from Haiti, but she grew up in Houston. And being a player player then, and I was talking to, uh, I, I was with, I was at her house, and my boy called me, and I spoke in pigeon. I was like, "Hey, man, I got, I'm, I'm, a, I'm with this beautiful lady. You know, don't call me. I'm coming back later." But I said it in broken English, you know, you know, which is Creole, uh, our Creole, and you know. And after I finished talking, she was like, "Um, thanks for, first of all, thank you for praising my looks because I understood everything that you said. You know, I've been around Nigerians all my life, and I was like, what?" What what you mean? I was like, I wasn't talking about you. She's like, uh, yeah, in Houston, you guys are everywhere. So that's how y'all talk. I was like, what? You mean? She's like, I was like, so that Houston talk is real? She's like, uh, yeah, almost every black person in Houston is Nigerian. So I was like, ah, oh, man, no, 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 I gotta get, it. I, I, I can't move to, I can't stay in Houston. No, I won't, I won't say all that. No, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I've been. It, on, that was that scared me. That scared me. I've been in those situations, right? Because, like, my mom speaks Pigeon, and mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So it's like I understand it. I comprehend. Like, if I'm really listening, I'm comprehending everything, right? But I have definitely been in situations similar to that, or even just customer service. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, put my stuff down and walk away. And it's like, oh, where are you going? I was like, come on now. Come on. Like, you don't know. Yeah. Like, you really don't know. And be like, oh, I thought you were American. Uh-huh. Busted. You know, it's wild out here. But yeah. um, I do want to say this, though. Shout out to my best friend, Jane Udoa. She is the creator of the Nigerian cultural parade here in Houston. Uh, she started that, I want to say four or five years ago. Oh, nice. And um, it's a beautiful thing. So I commend her for her work and everything, everything that she does within the Nigerian community. Yeah. I got, I got to check it out. Okay. I'll, I'll come to Houston and come check it out. I, I, I haven't done parades and okay. I'll, I'll make an exemption for that. Well, I got some classmates in Houston too who I've been avoiding. Secondary school classmates, they're gonna be like, "Oh, okay. oh you coming finally? Yay!" I'm like, "Oh man, no, no, no." Uh, okay, we'll make peace for that one. Yeah, I'll come. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> ah, we gotta be extra, you know, you know us. Uh, my people, my people, my people. So, um, with all that being said, what do you consider your favorite childhood memory? Favorite childhood memory? <laughs> Definitely going to Cameroon. Um, God, that's, what else? I would say seventh grade is when I started getting into sports, mm. you know, so I would say definitely that, um, played volleyball, basketball, and ran track. So you, you and, um, almost every sport. Yeah. And I think that's, I think when you get into sports, that's kind of like, at least for me, with my parents being immigrants and then, you know, my brother's five years younger than me. It's like the first time where you kind of, I created this extended family, right? Um, Because you're in class and then you're in practice and hanging out with, you know, your your peers. And I think that was like the first time I experienced like extended family. And it's like, oh, you know, I have people. (laughs) So, yeah. Wow. So, oh, um, let me go back a little bit. So, when when you said uh, book, um, let me get uh, Bokosi, Bokosi, right? That's where you say your dad is from. Yes. You know, my mind keeps going back to Bakasi because that's a place that I'm familiar with. Yeah. And I didn't. I looked it up, and I was like, oh, Bokosi is different from Bakasi. I didn't realize that until I looked it up. So that's another thing that I've learned, you know, because I've heard of Bamenda. You know, obviously, I know Yaoundé, Douala. Um, yeah, I think those are the like the three places that mm-hmm. uh, I'm most familiar with in Cameroon, even though I haven't been there. But because, and then, oh, well, for well, Bakasi, because of the fighting between Nigeria and Cameroon mm-hmm. over Bakasi. And then when you said Bokosi, I was like, wait, is, it, is that American accent? Saying, <laughs> Instead of Bakasi, she said Bokosi. Is that? Huh. Maybe I should make sure that she, she didn't say Bo. But instead of Ba, she said Bo. Well, let me ask her again. Or, you know, you know, but it's Bokosi. There's Bokosi and there's Bakasi. So, yeah, for those listening, especially the Nigerians, before, before you write in and say, hey, she, does, she doesn't know her, where she has, like, it's Bokosi. <laughs> don't, don't do that, people. Okay? There's Bokosi and there's Bakasi. It's two different places, all right? But in Cameroon, okay, just want to let the audience know. So, continuing with your childhood, you know, um, when, uh, as a kid, did you begin to, um, when did you begin, okay, wait, let me rephrase that. As a kid, were you ever attracted to anything to do, um, were you ever attracted to anything in the content creating space or did that would that come much later mm-hmm. in life you know what um so i am 39 years old and looking back i can say yes right mm-hmm. um and this is where you have to get really really granular like i remember <laughs> i remember as a kid I would take my mom's college books, 
I would take the encyclopedia. We have the, the adult ones and the children's ones. I would read it. I would line up all of my stuffed animals and lecture <laughs> my stuffed animals, right? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, 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 that is, I don't know, you, you and I, we're, we're literally the same there because, yeah, I, I did uh, the encyclopedias. I think almost every African parent that I know of had encyclopedias for some reason. Yeah, we, we have the brown set for the adults, the white set for the children. I just wasn't aware that there were children encyclopedias. Though, but yeah. I and um, I would, oh my God, it was so much like, I remember I wanted to be a geologist at one time because I was like, ooh, they get to play with dirt and, oh, and find, and find dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and find dinosaur bones, find fossils. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what I wanted to Right. So, yeah. So like I would literally line up my stuffed animals and lecture them. And then if we fast forward, when I was in high school, um, we would have every Friday or every other Friday, we would have um, a Bible study and we would rotate. So around that age of 15, 16, I would lead Bible study um, in high school with some friends and every now and then at my church. So at this point, I'm like, you know, those two things are early signs of public speaking. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a speaker. Now I'm a teacher. Um, and I've taught in the classroom a little bit on the adult education level. But, you know, with social media and technology, we're able to teach in a greater form compared to a traditional classroom, yeah. um, be it public education or higher ed. So I think. You know, those seeds were planted early on. I don't know where they came from, but they were planted early on. And um, I know we're going to dive deeper, but I am truly blessed to live this life um, because I'm literally living out my dreams every day. I'm doing everything that I want to do, that I love to do. And I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm, I'm no longer religious and I guess that's made me for forgot um forget about certain things that i used to do in the past so when you mentioned bible study yeah i, I came from a conservative um uh, catholic slash christian family i got to do a lot of um family devotions so bible slash mm-hmm. bible study in the mornings and evenings yeah we did ours twice a day you don't miss that you got to so there were days where it was like raf you're gonna be the one to come up with the sermon that was public speaking mm-hmm. and you don't think about it but yeah i had the anxiety because you had to uh come up with a sermon that would make sense you don't want to be like oh uh, if, if i pick something and we'll i don't want people to laugh at me because i was the mm-hmm. youngest in the house before my nieces and nephews were born so yeah I, I went through all that and i was able to overcome it and preach with this uh come up with a sermon and that led to my elder sister have beginning to have hopes that i'll, I'll become a pastor <laughs> at one point in time <laughs> yeah which is one reason why we don't talk anymore because <laughs> apparently her dreams her dreams didn't didn't come true <laughs> But, well, don't get me started on yeah. that. <laughs> so, you know, but by the time I moved to the States and 
um, join the Navy and um, take begin college classes. My very first class was public speaking. Mm-hmm. And I I was freaking out to give my first um, speech. And I'm grateful to my professor whose name I can't recall now, at Tidewater Community College. But he, he was also, he was a hippie too. And, uh, he, but he helped me. He helped me a lot. But I think by then it never dawned on me that I'd, I'd done public speaking because I'd preached at church. I'd preached mm-hmm. at home. Um, once or twice I'd gone preaching in the streets. I'd talk to strangers. I'd preach the Bible. Really? Like you go preach to someone. Like, get out of here. <laughs> and then sometimes somebody would say, okay, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say today. That is part of public speaking. And exactly. this is why I love doing this podcast because some of these memories are part of the things that after a recording, I, I go talk to my younger ones like, hey, man, you know you got the skill sets when you you are going to apply for jobs and you're like, oh, you know, okay. they, they, they're like asking for 10 years experience. I'm like, all the stuff you've been doing from your childhood, it qualifies as part of that 10 years of experience that this company is asking you for because you've been doing it. You've been doing but we just don't give, use those words to say this is a skill. You have the skills. But now, now you just triggered it in my head. Like, actually, I've been doing public speaking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there, there's been so much emphasis on formal education yeah. that people lose sight. Like, if I'm not in a classroom, mm-hmm. if I'm not getting a certification or a degree, yeah. I don't have a skill set. And it's like, you do. And, you know, I speak at colleges all the time. And I'm like, if you're volunteering, you're getting skills. That's right. Like, I understand you're a freshman. But if you're volunteering at your church or religious center, um, any type of community organizations, like you're gaining skills, like don't discredit that. If your parents have a small business and you've been helping them on the weekends, you have cash (laughs) skills, organizational skills. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like, don't discredit yourself. And, you know, and it's hard to kind of convey that on a resume, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I lined up stuffed animals and lectured like, no, but, (laughs) you know, you got to work, you got to phrase it right. But yeah, when I look back at my life, I'm like, man, I've, I've had so many full circle moments. That's true. That's true. I I did the stuffed animal thing. And um, the other day I was, um, because I'm doing this thing on the side where I'm I'm taking part in the C4 challenge where I'm creating content throughout the whole of February. So I'm answering five questions that um, content creators send to me. And I just try to answer it in like five minutes or at least five minutes. And one of the questions that was sent uh, asked me about memory concerning content creating or something like that. And I remembered mimicking the military uh, ruler that we had. I think I was like 12. So I just pretended like I was reading from his, I had a sheet of paper in front of me and I was addressing the country and I was like my dear fellow Nigerians. And it was a (laughs) special, it was a, a national holiday, which they all did. Every military ruler that we had, which going into the democratic president, democratically elected elected presidents they all do it but at that age everybody who had seen was a general and this general always wore his shades never came off no matter what time of the day so as a kid then that's that was the impression i had so I, when someone was coming to the house and he saw me he said, what are you doing i said oh, i'm the general 
I'm reading, I'm addressing the country right now. And the man started laughing. I was like, you know what? You're doing a good impression. That was also public speaking. I was, <laughs> I was practicing at that age, but it was comedic. So, but it was part of it too. And I, it didn't even dawn on me that I was doing something, <laughs> something like that at that age. But it was also public speaking because they were, I was sitting outside my house pretending that I was reading a speech, but I was mimicking the speech that I heard the president give. And adults were walking by, seeing me, and they're like, wow, this this kid is he's pulling it off. Okay, well, that, that's good. Good job, kid. And I yeah, think, so, think, yeah, it, it's, it's something that, you had a, yeah. I'm sorry, think about all of the stuff you had to memorize and recite mm-hmm. when oh. you were younger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and in, in, in our schools in Nigeria, uh, there was a teacher standing with a cane right next to you when you missed your your, your <laughs> recital. So yeah, we got good at that. Uh, you got good at receiving the floggings. It was one of <laughs> it was one of the <laughs> ah, but oh well ah, but um, yeah, we're gonna jump forward to the the beginning of the adulthood and. Uh, <laughs> Before we do that, we shall take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, yeah, we're going to go into the world of marketing, podcasting, and more. Hi, everyone. We've made it two years, and who would have thought so? So let's go further and make it three, make it four, make it five, make it six. Who knows? 20. But we can't do this without your support. So join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash white label American POD pod or linktree.com slash white label American. Go there and you will see our Patreon link and you can join us for as low as $3. We have bonus content. We have bonus materials. There's so much juice over there that we don't release to the public. And yeah, you can contribute in making this podcast better. You can send questions. You can send your ideas. And also, there's a lot of new things that are coming. The announcements are made on Patreon first because we have to, you know, take care of people who help make this podcast possible so you can be the one to make this podcast what you want it to be come join us on patreon and make it what you like to see join us make it fantastic keep the five stars coming in keep the love coming in thank you for the privilege of your company welcome back and thank you for staying with us so let's fast forward and dive into the beginning of the adult adultness if i may put it that way so when did you officially begin to embrace what you are mostly known for marketing or podcasting which which is it uh we'll say marketing okay marketing so yeah you know my marketing journey is very very interesting so I graduated high school. I went to a junior college because I moved to Houston. So I went to a junior college for a year because the fees were really high. And at that time, I was a pre-pharmacy major. Ooh. Right? So I graduated high school in 2000. Mm-hmm. So I started as a pre-pharmacy major. Um, I transferred to the University of Houston. Whole new world. And... In 2004, we have the Super Bowl in Houston. 
And my friend, he worked for a record label and he was like, hey, the Super Bowl's here. The label needs some help with promo, handing out flyers, you know, in and out the clubs and all that kind of stuff. And I'm young. So I'm like, yeah, sign me up. (laughs) Super Bowl parties. Yeah, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) So. So that's how I got into marketing, right? I got into marketing, helping a friend for Super Bowl weekend. Um, And then I'm going to go back to campus and be a boring pre-pharmacy student. And what happened was um, I was horrible at chemistry. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) people, people kept calling me for work. And it was like, hey, I got your information from da, 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 da. This is what I'm doing. I was like, yeah. So people were paying me like two, $300 for a couple of hours just to hang out, pass out flyers on a Friday, Saturday night. And for a college student, it's like, that's a lot of money. Cause yeah. like you just broke. Let <laughs> <laughs> <Bloody> lie. <laughs> you just broke. Right? So it's like, okay. And then, so from there, I had a lot of issues in school. Um, and that's a whole nother thing. I had a lot of issues in school in and out of college. It took me 11 years to get my degree, but in the, in that short time, I was just doing a lot of promotional work. Um, I started writing for a magazine. I was doing social media because work by that time, WordPress and MySpace started, um, they came out And so I was doing a lot of promotion on those platforms. I was interviewing artists. I would write their press release, their bios. I would promote it on my website. I would get clients from MySpace. Um, I worked on a couple of movie sets. So I was doing anything and everything when it came to entertainment marketing. And I got burnt out. Got burnt out, went back to school, and I ended up getting a degree in finance. And then I worked, I worked in corporate finance. Not what I was expecting, but. I know, I know. I worked in corporate finance and banking for about seven years and people were still calling me for work. And I was like, I don't do this anymore. But I realized that social media, so Facebook was here and I realized they were going to start advertising because, you know, now we're entering web 2.0. Yeah. And I was like, there's something here. I was like, there's a, there's a gap. There's a gap. So I went back to school, started an MBA program, did one semester, dropped out. And I got a master's in internet marketing from Full Sail University. And I was like, okay, this is up to speed. Like, this is what marketing is going to be moving forward. I was like, if I graduate with this MBA, I'm still going to be behind. Because it was like international affairs, global business. And I'm like, this, this ain't it. Uh-huh. <laughs> this ain't it. Right. Yeah. So once I got my degree, I got my master's in 2013. I quit my job in um, finance and um, I was like, all right, we're going to open up a social media marketing agency. And so that was in 2013, but since then, um, I guess what, nine years, there's been a lot of pivot, a lot of, you know, figuring out what I like to do, what I don't want to do. 
Um, I wrote a book in 2014 called Network, Navigate and Nurture, um, all about networking, because I was like, how can I be known, right? And I think at that time, people weren't seeing what I was trying to do as a marketer. But I'm like, if I can write my book and market my book, then people will see it. And that's what happened. And um, started promoting my book. I was trying to target blogs initially because that's what I knew. And I stumbled across podcasting, started doing podcasting interviews like this. And then someone was like, oh, you should start a podcast. And every time, anytime I hear two people, they're like, you should do this. I'm like, all right, let me think about it. The third person, that's a confirmation. So I was like, bet. Started my podcast in 90 days. It's called Networking with Michelle. And um, I mean, it's so much. Um, also in 2013, that's when I first had the idea for the African-American Marketing Association. So I sat on that idea for six years before I started planning. Mm. And then um, started planning in 2018. And then we launched February 2019. So we're three years old oh, wow. um, this month. Yeah, like this month, this weekend. Congrats. And um, thank you. And yeah, so it's just, it's it's been a lot, um, I guess in the past 19 years, <laughs> 19 years of adulthood. And then the past, um, I guess, nine years in business. No, one, one thing that uh, came to mind was I, I moved to New York in 2014 after I left DFW, Texas. And my roommate was studying marketing. We we both met in the military when I was in the Middle East. And he came to me one day. I was like his big brother then. And he was like, uh, he, he got his first internship. And he, he said, you know, he looked at how much he was being paid. He did some calculation. He was like, man, this not going to work. He's, he's Ghanaian born. He was like, Charlie, this not going to work, man. This is not going to work. And just like that, I was like, well, so what you going to do? It's like, uh, yeah, I'm changing my degree, my major, finance. That was it. <laughs> so I was like, wait, what? So you, you're talking about you went and got finance and then it's like, he's <laughs> like, Finance never bring up marketing around me. That, that guy just, it <laughs> was like, well, like, he just I, hated marketing off a sudden. Like, and while you were sit, telling your story, there was something that kept ringing out that you did marketing during the Super Bowl and, you know, just from um, handing out flyers, moving flyers for people for uh, local events, you did it so well that people appreciated that but it's, it's it's always in the small details it's always in the small de- that's one of my my uh my go-to sayings it's always in the small details and just from little things like that you know they you, you're excelling in those in those little things it started showing that you, you could see you could lay the thread there and see that wait there was something there and i'm not saying that um the guy was wrong the guy i just mentioned but it's it, it just a memory that came 
to mind of the way he just said, oh, hell no to marketing. <laughs> it was clear that it, it wasn't his part. He, he, maybe it wasn't his part. Or he just didn't like marketing. But the way he just said, hell no, it always makes me laugh when I think about him saying, hell no to marketing. Like, this is, what? They pay people with this money? <laughs> well, I think... I think there, there's a couple of things, right? One, regardless of what you do, you have to be easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regardless of what you do, you have to be easy to work with. Um, and then I just saw this meme last night and it was like, you know, Rick Ross was um, a Ciroc boy for Diddy for free. Um, but he turned that into a million dollar opportunity. Right. Hmm. And it was kind of like, well, and I, I was being sarcastic in the comments. I was like, well, he could afford an intern. Right. Like you got to have some kind of stability and foundation before you do free stuff. It's, it's hard to kind of negate that. Yeah. But what at that time it was just, I was just helping a friend. Right. I didn't have the problems and the responsibilities like I do now where I'm like, you know, wait a minute, but I think, you know, whatever you do, whatever you decide to do, that's your decision and you need to operate in excellence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's how you're going to make money. Like I did something for free a couple of months ago and um, they just keep bringing me back, bringing me back. And when they're bringing me back, they're paying me because I'm just easy to work with. That's a great point there. Because if that's true, if you're not easy to work with, uh, it, 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 I was listening to Roy Wood Jr. Um, on Mark Maron's podcast, which is a great episode. Uh, I, I'm going to recommend that on a future podcast. But um, I, I, I'm right now. I'm still going to recommend it. Uh, it's a great listen for everything he was talking about. But he, uh, Roy Wood Jr. Um, talks about there's something he said from his earlier days of uh, comedy, which nearest what you just said where he he said it took him a while to realize that uh, even mark even mark maron said something in along that point of view that um i think when they both began in comedy in stand-up it was you know it, it's like yeah go out there and kill it you just want to kill it say whatever i want to say and then they realize that it's a business you want to be the guy who uh will get rebooked you want them to call you back. It's not about, uh, I just come here and I did my thing. Uh, yeah, you can do your thing. But if nobody enjoys working with you, they're not going to call you back. And right. when that dawned on Roy, that's when he started changing how he gave his comedy. He delivered his comedy and the experience he had with the people who were booking him. And he started working until he, um, he said until he got um, to be on The Daily Show that's when he achieved um, some security. But until then, he wasn't, he hadn't achieved any security. So he had to walk towards, this is what I'm trying to achieve. I need to be rebooked. And yeah, but, but it, 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 the way he explained it, which I didn't do a good job of explaining, but it was more along that line of, um, yeah, you, you, people need to enjoy working with you. If they don't, then yeah, why would they bring you back? It's it's as simple as that, uh, you know. You 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 can you can find a thousand and one reasons to say, oh, this is why they didn't call me back. Or, but it, it all boils down to you know where you're working at. You know the 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 business you're in. 
And mm-hmm. if they don't enjoy working with you, then I don't see why I should bring you here and give you my money. I'll pay you. That's <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, um, the the African American Marketing Association. Um, if I may touch on that briefly, uh, it, it you started that uh, three years ago, and how has that been having building that community? It's been tough. It's been a journey. Um, a lot of self discovery. <clears throat> of just, you know, leadership and vision. Um, I think overall the the mission of AMA is to galvanize black marketers in order for them to have the resources and opportunities they need to grow their career and business. Um, so currently we have about 500 members. Wow. Of, yeah, people all over, um, especially due to COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, even with that happening, the positive is it accelerated our growth tremendously because we went from in-person events to virtual events. And now anyone in the world can be exposed to our events um, on social media or they're like, oh, I can actually attend. And it's not just in Houston or whatever. So I'm grateful for that. Um, we've done some amazing things in the past three years. Uh, last year, we came out with our top 50 black marketers list. Uh, we gave plaques to our founding members. Uh, we started the Marketing for the Culture podcast. Uh, this year, we're going to have the Marketing for the Culture Summit, which I'm really excited about in Atlanta, Georgia. Nice. So I think, you know, it's been some great progression in a short amount of time. Awesome. Awesome. That's glad. I'm glad to hear that. You know, it's not, it's not always easy when you start an African-American um, well, I, I, the name African was what got me there. Um, mm-hmm. Anything African association, it's not easy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so shout out to you for that. So um, Houston is home. Houston has been your home for a long, long time. Have you yeah. considered making a, another city home, or what will it what will it take for you to make another city home, or an, in I'm another not, state? I'm not moving. Dang, that was just a straight up yeah. not moving. Not nothing. I, I mean, it's it's an idea that I've toyed with, especially you know in my early thirties mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, I did go to high school in Atlanta. I go to Atlanta pretty fre- frequently recently, especially with the conference. Um, but no, it's Houston is the best city when it comes to the bang for the buck. So even though the cost of living is going up, we're still cheaper than a lot of major cities. Uh, We don't have state tax here. And as an adult, especially once you hit your 30s, those are just things that you consider. Um, I don't have a family. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. But like not having state tax? (laughs) Okay. Okay. You don't have to rub you it know, in. You don't have to rub it in. But um, I, I I know I know there's like four. It's either like four or eight states altogether. I know Florida and Tennessee are other states that don't have state tax. But um, yeah, I don't I don't see myself leaving. If that was the case, I probably would have left by now. Um, but I will continue to travel. And. Yeah. But listen, this 
I can say this answer confidently. There was definitely a time where I felt like I did have to leave for my career, particularly my business to grow. And I, I do struggle with that because it's, at least for me, it gets, it's interesting when you're seeing so much activity in Atlanta mm. or so much activity in DC, New York. And it's just like, man, how are these people getting opportunities? You know, um, the networking events are different, right? Especially when you have all of these uh, media companies in those those cities, you know, it's like, man, if I lived there, maybe I would have greater exposure to opportunities. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it's it's been a hard pill to swallow, but now I'm just like, I'm not leaving. Um, I have... I have a lot of great opportunities that I don't brag about. So some of that would be on me as well, but I'm just trying to do good work. And you are doing good work. So thank you. All right. Let's see. We need some podcast juice from you. So let's get some <laughs> podcast juice. So you, you, you have how many podcasts now? Two? So network. Uh, one technically networking with Michelle ran mm -hmm. from 2014 to 2020 and marketing for the culture ran from 2021 to present. Okay. <laughs> Still going. Still going. <laughs> Still going. So do, do we have any hope of uh, networking with Michelle coming back? Coming back here? Like uh, you could, cause you, 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 the way you, you, use, you use the past tense for networking with Michelle. Oh, yeah. So networking with Michelle is not coming back. Um, I was fortunate to do over 200 episodes, had some great guests, um, Lamar, Ronnie Tyler, Lovey, Ajayi Jones, uh, Gary V, Kirk Franklin. Um, I had some great guests over the years and beautiful experience, a lot of self-discovery, a lot of self-awareness. But yeah, that show's not coming back. I have been thinking about doing another podcast strictly on inclusive marketing, okay. um, but I'm still playing around with some concepts. And if I do it, it will come out later this year uh, once I drop my book as well. All right. So what advice would you give to a youngling? Because now, you know, we, 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 we we are we, we are around this. We we are about the same age, you know. I, I turned forty in May, so I can start dressing like Kenya Boris. My uh, I just like the money in the bank account, but yeah, that was that's my plan. And uh, yeah, so what advice would you give to a youngling who's about to kickstart podcasting, or even an oldling, you know? Because I know someone who's in the sixties about to start podcasting. Yeah, and um, you know, thanks for giving the shout out earlier with the recommendation of the uh, diversity and podcast episode we did uh, with Steve, I would say podcasting is a skill. And because it has created a low barrier of entry, everyone feels like they can start a podcast and even a YouTube channel or just content creation in general. Mm -hmm. That's true. And um, we're, we'll stick to podcasting, but it is a skill, right? So even if you start, I would strongly encourage people, how can you find ways to get better? And that is something I had to learn 
when I was listening to the Jordan Harbinger podcast, where he was saying, he was just turning the mic on, like he didn't prep, you know, it was like 15 minutes before the show, he would prep and da, 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 da. And that's like, I get it. I've been there and I'm still guilty of it. But he said, you know, once he took his time to read the guest books, take notes, listen to other interviews, ask different questions, that's when his show skyrocketed. That's when he made more money in ads. And it was just like, wow, really? You know, and that's something that I had to learn. I started studying my guests. I I bought a book on interview questions or interview handbook. And I think I'm naturally curious, which is great, but what are some ways that I can present better, right? How can my, maybe you don't have the money to make your show different or better because it's just fucking expensive. It is. But... (laughs) It is. That's why I right? need that Patreon money. Bring it. Bring it, people. Support me. Bring That's it. another thing. People underestimate the cost and the work. They feel like, oh, I can just talk to my friend. I can just turn the laptop and talk. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the stuff behind the scenes, too. Yeah. Like the editing, the uploading, all of the moving pieces. Like I used to be a podcast producer. Um, I had a couple of clients for about two, maybe three years. And I realized I was going to go into a different direction, especially with um, the, the inclusive marketing. So I was like, Michelle, you got to let go of all of your clients. If you're going to make this pivot, let go of all your clients. So I gave my clients either, I definitely gave them a three month notice. And I was like, hey, bring someone on board. I'll train them. I'll walk them through, create training videos. I did all of that. I let them go. They never podcasted again. Wow. And they're like, oh, I didn't know it was so much. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true, though. I've, I've, had, I've had people who, yeah, like, hey, man, can I get you for an hour or two? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll start on two, three hours, go over podcasting, and yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. People like, are like, oh, can I hire you for a podcast consultation? I'll send them my checklist for free. I said, here's my checklist. And then, you know, call me for the consultation. Never hear from them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think jo- Josh here yeah, has loads of stories about that. <laughs> the ones who come to the studio. I've see, I seen one with my two eyes. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, I don't need your money. Yeah. I don't you're not going to waste my time. Um, because uh. I've I've consulted with so many people, they will never start. Mm-hmm. They will never start. And there, I don't know, because I'm not as I'm not hanging out in the podcast communities like before, but there is a rumor like podcasts with the only last three or seven episodes, right? Because yeah, they uh, seven, yeah, you to uh, launch. I, I seem, yeah, it's seven, yeah. Yeah, because they tell you to launch with three, mm-hmm. right? So then you pretty seven is okay, four weeks. Probably did an episode every week, right? After that, crickets. Uh, and there's so many, like, I've consulted with so many people, never launched their podcasts. I've done, I want you to be my first guest. I just love what you're doing. Be my first guest. That episode ain't never come out. <laughs> 
actually, yeah, there's someone like that too. Yeah, uh, I've yeah. Now, now she's moved on to TikTok and other stuff. Yeah, and they still, I, I just, they, they still uh, be posting. <laughs> they still be posting. I just be looking. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. can you at least send me the audio so mm. I can use it? I'll use it. Yeah, that's true. I, I should heat up. I'm like, yeah, send, send me the audio because it's been over a year now. <laughs> I, I will forget. <laughs> and I've had oh oh, so man. many stories. So many stories. Don't get me started. Hey, I ain't oh, got yeah. no alcohol right now. Don't get me started on <laughs> So let me circle back before I start because, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start slowly wrapping up but before we officially get to the final questions um we're gonna go back to cameroon so when was the last time you you visited i've only been once that's when i was a child oh i thought you you, you've been there as a as an adult i wanted to get the reaction from um, the adult experience all right so you, you need to go i wanted to go for the afcon that just um, mm-hmm. ended but um yeah as soon as the omarion thing began i was uh i was like yeah i, I, I don't know about it. i i think those um them, them old commercials that play in my head i was like yeah anyway, I'm, i haven't gotten over i'm too americanized now so sorry <laughs> i can't go on the plane no more no no i got a kid at home now so yeah yeah i'm, I'm westernized but um you know I, I watched the whole tournament on tv so i'm still african uh, <laughs> I did that more than, you know, I know a bunch of Nigerians. So as soon as Nigeria got kicked out, I ain't watching this no more. I'm going to watch the EPL. Right. I was like, look right. at you. Yo, yo, yo got Pan-African on your on your profiles. And then like, oh, I'm not watching this. I was like, look at you. So that yeah, was a great tournament though. But hopefully I can go for the next one in um, um, uh, Cote d'Ivoire next year. So, mm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, by, by then enough. Yeah, COVID should be mild. Yeah, it should, should be. This this COVID has a mind of its own. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think once they just once uh, if this kid's vaccine is um, approved for the under five, yeah, that, uh, I think that's it. But I think people have run out of uh, patience and be like, all right, we, we 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 the world is open now. We we done. We're done yeah. waiting for unvaccinated to who don't want to get vaccinated. And yeah, people are just gonna start doing their thing. And uh there was this article I saw well I, yeah on the African uh BBC Africa yesterday. Uh Zanzibar has I guess UAE gave Zanzibar the they call it the ED technology. They don't mm-hmm. have to test you at the airport. There's this machine, it costs one billion dollars. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but as soon as you just, it literally scans you. If you have COVID, it tells you right there. Pow. That's why it cost $1 billion. It's what they have at the Abu Dhabi airport. Okay. All right. So, first of all, doesn't that sound crazy to you? Because I'm like, technically, COVID was around the fall of 2020, mm-hmm. but globally, March 2021. So in one year, am I getting my dates right? The fall of 2019, March 2020. So in a year and a half, they already have a billion dollar machine that can scan if you have COVID. Uh, uh, in one year? Uh, yeah. Well, At I the guess. airport? 
Yeah, in Abu Dhabi, and now they've donated it to Zanzibar. So don't get me started on these conspiracies. Hey, hey, hey <laughs> this, this, it's a great time to get into the conspiracies, but we're not gonna do that here now because, uh, yeah, that already cost me some money. But, I'm just saying, uh, like, people are moving quick, man. It's, people it's, are moving quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, it's uh, apparently this, it, but it sounds like, um, yeah, I ain't gonna say. But it looks like they know what they're doing. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Because Abu Dhabi is not going to spend one billion dollars. I agree. But uh, I, I agree. I because, believe you. You know, you know, if you're going to UAE, their policy is this: if you can come if you're unvaccinated, but as soon as you get off that plane, we're going to give you the injection. <laughs> if you go coming to their I mean, country, that's their rule there. Like you can come, but we'll give it to you at the airport. Like yeah, that's I mean, the way. You get all. You, or you make a U-turn and then get on the next plane. Back, anyway. That's why I'm only traveling domestically. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of friends go to Mexico. You know, clearly that's like down the street for us. Oh, yeah. But I just don't feel like going through all of that stuff. And I'm like, I'll just travel domestically until, you know, we're whatever COVID free looks like. Uh, that, that I, don't, I don't know if we'll ever get to COVID free. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Even Mauritius, that's at eighty. Mauritius and Seychelles are at eighty percent of the population vaccinated. Um, yeah, it's it, yeah. There's no COVID free anymore. It's 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 uh, yeah. It's maybe uh, we we're just gonna. Well, yeah. I, I do want to go. I do want to go to Indonesia. So maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. Hey, change your mind. Treat yourself. <laughs> I want to go there too. So treat yourself. Treat yourself. So we've already opened up the phone verse. So let's go. Let's go with the phone verse. So let's see. Let's go with food first. We're not doing Eru. You can't bring Eru now. Eru, Eru is off the table. For those of you who didn't, uh, who are like, what is Eru? Well, um, go go pay attention and uh, yeah, yeah. Sign up for Patreon and then you find out what Eru is. Yeah, I'm gonna get your money. That hey, way. but um. Yeah, so now, how will I ask the food question? Because I always try to change it for everybody. I've already had one Cameroonian that I've interviewed, so by the time this episode comes out, um, Eru might have been explained. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't give me the money on Patreon too, so still give me the money. <laughs> I'm going to go, yeah, give me the money. So if I come to Houston now, I've only been to Houston once when I was living in DFW. I drove down there. And then drove back. Uh, I come to Houston. Where is the first place you're gonna take me to go eat? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. If if there's no Cameroon meetings and parties that weekend, I've never been to a Cameroon <laughs> party. Now I think about it. I mean, the Cameroonians who took care of me in Bahrain. Those were the first Africans that took care of me in Bahrain. That's 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 oh. how I got into Eru. And then I was like, this is not, this is not, what are you, why are you calling this Eru? It's a Dikang Kong. What do you mean? It's Eru. And they're like, what is a Dikang Kong? I said, come on, man. That's when I went Nigerian on them. We, we do a lot of the same stuff, meaning Cameroon and Nigeria. It's mm-hmm. just different names. Yeah. Like, I remember talking to my friend, um, like, she told me, she, what I call Eru, they call Kamikaze, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, it's and, a, a, a Dikang um, Kong that uh, I'm used to. And um, shout out to my friend, um, Michelle Kavachi. She actually 
uh, wrote and designed the book called Art of Fufu. Oh, I'm not, you need to introduce me to that friend. Well, she, she yeah, needs to come on the yeah, podcast. and she talks about all of the all of the different soups. It's a beautiful book. I need that book. Um, yeah, so I'll definitely know. send that to you. Hopefully, but she no, can send um, me some some food too. Are that. you a steak person? You like steak? Um, uh, I don't discriminate against steak. I'll, I prefer goat meat, but I don't discriminate against that. Uh, you know, I, I, for the culture, I would I would eat the other steak. Put it that way. <laughs> I was gonna say I'll take you to B and B Butchers. B and B Butchers. Yeah, what, that is that where AMB uh what was it? AMB stole their name from. Was it B and B? I have no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Because I was no. like, wait, B and B. I was like, why B and B coming up? Man? I was like, wait, what, 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 what's going on here? Oh, but. Maybe that's it's a, it's a nice maybe somebody was having a meal and was like, hmm, how about name my company Airbnb? I was looking for my company's name. I was like, oh, it's B&B and mm, mm, air. Just add air to it. Wow. Okay. Wow. I've just, my detective skills being put to use. Just like that. <laughs> uh, so B&B. So um, what, 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 all, this, all the meat is found there or? it's a steakhouse um it's one of the best in my opinion um and that's one thing in texas nice, though yeah. nice nice ambiance very good food um i took a friend well a friend and i we went a couple of months ago and he was thoroughly impressed mm. he was there at this, so yeah. okay well so someone like me uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a different category but if i'm impressed that means that's dictator level type of impressed yeah, like he he wanted to go back, but I was like, no, it's Valentine's Day weekend. It's gonna be packed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, we gotta go next month. Yeah, that, that <laughs> well, taking a Valentine's Day to the steakhouse. That's a whole. That's a whole. That's real love. Real love. <laughs> Feel out up there. That, but I can see. I can see a Nigerian doing that. Those like uh, you, eat, you eat one meal, you can't eat anymore. You fill out up. Fill out up. That's um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what my uncle would do. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, everybody who's been on this podcast, we automatically qualify. You know, everybody who's been on this podcast, you automatically qualify as a dancer, whether you dance officially or not. As far as you come on this podcast, you dance. If you claim you don't dance, we stop the recording now and kick you off. Oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah. No, no. He can't help you. He can't, he can't save you. Yeah. No, he knows. He approved. So, we need you to dance for an hour. Don't worry, we won't release the video to the public. You know, we, we, we're not about, uh, yeah, we're not about our life yet. But um, if you pay us, we might be about our life. So, um, we need you to dance for at least an hour. And we need you to give us three or four artists that will keep you dancing for an hour. But now you can't give us the most popular names, though. Aha. And I know you was just about to drop the most pop. No, 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 no. Like my daughter would say, no, 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 no. You can't do that. So you got to give us at least somebody from your end of Cameroon. And then, um, yeah, you got to represent Houston. Okay. Yeah. You can't give us Beyonce, though, because we know, we know, I know, I know. I know you was going to, no, that, that, no, we can't Beyonce off the table because. Everybody's gonna go with Beyonce, so we got we got, we got 
we all about fairness and inclusivity. See? Aha. So now go ahead. Give us the three or four artists. Um, and that's crazy because I don't have my phone on me. Um, yeah, excellent. No cheating. <laughs> Is it favor time to party? I, I don't know if he's from Cameroon or Nigeria. What favor? No way. Is that Nigerian? That's cheating. No. Nigerian. Oh, there are some 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 Cameroonians are sharpening their sharpen your knife. Cameroonian people sharpen your knife right now. Somebody's no. betraying you. The, Cam the Cameroon artists that I usually come across, they're French speaking and they're rapping in French. Or they're old, like that's the new artist. Or they're old school, old school. And I don't know those um, artists, but I know the drums. When I hear the drums, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> I see. Well, well, well. Um, yeah, you Okay, we'll give you a caveat. You you can grab your phone. Grab your phone and No, I'm not getting my phone. But no. <laughs> this, this, I'm gonna say listen. I'ma say um burner boy, African giant, twice as tall. Um, those are two classic albums in my book. And even the one where he has the black cover. Wait, wait, wait. That's one artist you give mean how many that, that's one artist, three albums. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. That, and then, one artist taking three spots. One Burner Boy's that good. It's, mm. I, I gotta dance. I, uh, listen, you know, I got the one people hour. of Cameroon. Are you sure this is your person? You, you guys might want to come no. check out. Like you know, this Cameroon, is what happens when you hang out with too many Nigerians. Cameroon American with the Nigerian music lover. Nigerian. She is denying. Cameroon right now, Afcon. You Never. see, she's she's supporting Nigeria, Afcon. Cameroon in my blood, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I I support my neighbors. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. the second artist would be Drake. Oh, uh, uh, Josh, that, that is that not a tech, that, that that can we take Drake? That isn't he popular? Where, where, where the Canadians? Where, where, um, Canadians going to be like, uh, Drake is a mad popular person. In fact, Bonaboy can't even qualify. He's popular. You know, Bonaboy, he's cross mainstream. What kind so, of party is this? What kind of party is uh, this? There are artists that can make you dance that are, haven't... We're trying, to, we're trying to bring people to the limelight. You know, we're trying to... You know, it doesn't have to be just, okay, we'll put Drake. We're just for you. We'll do it. We'll do that. But since, well, said, since, okay, no, no popular artists and not beyonce so i don't want to say i don't even listen to meg the stallion that much well we already accepted bonaboy and drake so i mean i can't but my hands are tight now you know my hands I, are tight. I guess i listen to indie artists but i really don't know their names like right now one of my favorite artists is fkj 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 and he's like that sounds like a, a, I mean, a white guy from Sweden or Paris. Oh, yeah, probably that's why I've I've seen that name. Yeah, and he just it's just instrumentals. He doesn't sing, you know. He'll have guests, but it's oh, just did he do a song with um, what's this kid's name? I think he's from Virginia, the black kid. Um, I thought I liked that song though. Um, there was no singing. Um, in that there's song. there's an artist named Darius. Crayon, Cartel, oh. but I listen to a lot of instrumentals. I listen to a lot of um, 
is it lo-fi or chill, chill oh music? yeah lo-fi uh-huh so, yeah i listen to a lot of that especially during the day because i'm usually working i even and, put uh, my daughter to sleep back in the day i consume i consume so anymore. much content mm-hmm. that sometimes i just need i just need the music i don't need the the singing i yeah. just need the music so i listen to a lot of that that helps me yeah that helps me too yeah, because sometimes you don't you don't need to do 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 you know you know you know you know we we don't know how to like calm things down. We just need we we are too pumped. Like sometimes we just like my people calm down. Ah wait to happen. You just ah we no be you did this world. Sure. So yeah. All right. We'll we accept we accept those. I I have to fine tune the question for next time so that Drake and Bonaboy can can sneak in there. But uh yeah, but Drake, you can still call me on, on my cell phone. You know, we can talk. <laughs> it's all right, Drake. It's all right. All right. Oh, one question. One quick question. I've um, I've I forgot to ask you. Um, are you? Do you? What do you think about marketing in the in the metaverse? Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm not skilled in the metaverse as far as I haven't taken it upon myself to um, participate. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think it's something worth exploring. Um, I think the good thing is a lot of us have the means to do it. Um, what What do I mean by that? I think one of the problems when it comes to um, marketing and historical context, as well as trends, um, there's a wealth gap and a, there's a trust gap, right? Mm. So I feel like the metaverse, this this Web 3.0 that we're entering into, the metaverse NFTs, I think that's a creation of wealth, right? Um, but the thing is, a lot of us have smartphones, so now we're able to assess it yep. if we want to take the time to learn and educate ourselves and participate. Versus before, you know, there was a time where everyone couldn't afford a computer in their house. But I'm pretty sure every household has a smartphone. That's true. Right? Yeah. So it's more accessible. This digital currency that we're entering into is more accessible than ever before. Um but you have to minimize that trust gap in order for you to learn. And if you're an early adopter, there's possibility that you can find wealth in it. You know, I'm not an expert in crypto. I've dabbled in it. Um, I think there's too much red tape. I think eventually there's going to be policies in place regarding crypto, especially with this couple that scammed. Um, oh yeah, uh, billions points, of dollars uh, in crypto recently. Dollars, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure there's going to be some regulations that come down. I don't know if it's going to be the FDIC, but there's going to be some kind of regulations to come down soon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's scary for me. I have a brother. He does a lot of investing, and he invests in crypto. And he told me one time his fifteen hundred dollars was just floating around. Floating and around, like, as in. I was like, Chris, you got fifteen hundred dollars. I don't know. That was so wow. Are, are you okay? 
yeah, I'm not up. I'm not visiting visiting you in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the look on my face was like, wait, what? <laughs> right, and it's just. So, I mean, I say that because there's a lot of layers. I mean, of course, Cash App and Robinhood makes it easy to invest in some cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. uh, but not, there's a lot of currency out there, yeah. right? But it's layer upon layer. And I'm like, look, if it ain't an ACH payment between my bank account and you, I don't want it. <laughs> yep, that, that's where I, I am at right now. But I, I still follow the 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 crypto verse and all that although someone pointed out something to me recently that uh you know all the stuff metaverse is big right now i'll talk about metaverse but um in the gaming world the metaverse isn't new because the the, the was the grand theft auto was the example the guy mm-hmm. gave mm-hmm. and he said yeah that's literally metaverse but right. facebook just came and made it much more popular right now and everybody's now seeing metaverse but if you look out the gaming world people have been in the metaverse for a long time and i was like oh that that makes sense the way the guy explained it and i was like okay that's actually so it it, it seems like they've been doing product placements in a whole bunch of gaming so that's also marketing but i just never it never done because i don't play video games so exactly never done And that's the thing when I say about accessibility, right? Because a lot of these things are so niche Mm -hmm. that if you're not a part of that community, you don't know. So for example, and I I don't think you have to be in the community to participate. Yeah. So right now I'm talking to my friends. I'm like, I'm going hard on Apple stock right now. And I, and I have my personal plan when it comes to investing in Apple. And they're like, why are you going so hard on Apple? And I'm like, Apple, they are not necessarily the company that makes something first, but they are a company that makes something better. Mm, that's true. Innovation, right? Yeah. So now that the metaverse is here and we all know about it, I think they're going to create something that's going to make the metaverse better. I don't know what that is, but their hardware products are really, really good. Mm right yeah um they want to create a car yeah that's that's true that's going to compete with tesla so i'm looking at it like okay 20 25 years from now when i need to retire i need apple to be the next amazon when it comes to stock price Mm. you know stock value Mm -hmm. so i'm like i need to invest now as much as possible because i know this is going to be a one thousand three thousand dollar stock by the time I retire. Um, and with that being said, when we look back at Facebook and their Oculus headset, yeah, that never that never really got the traction oh, no. that it needed. Mm-mm. But I think Apple can come in and make something better. And the thing is, the community Facebook built is different than what Apple built. If Apple says they're going to come out with a, a headset or any other type of hardware, it's, it's going to sell. It, it will. It will. You know, yeah. so I feel like, you know, especially when you get older and we have, we got so many other things to worry about, you know, maybe you don't need to participate in the metaverse, 
but what are some things that you can do alongside, you know, like I'm once again, traditionally investing in stocks, mutual funds, and ETFs that this company has business or products, services within the metaverse. And once it pops, it pops. Um, So another thing, it's not metaverse related, but um, this is important because I don't think we talk about this enough, you know, especially when you get into the African communities. Um, Like I'm investing a lot in um, electrical vehicles. Yeah. Right. Because once again, I'm looking, okay, 20, 30 years from now, uh, I think electrical vehicles are going to be just as popular. Tesla, whether it's Tesla, and there's some other companies, I can't even think of them right now. Uh, Rivian. But now nah, almost yeah. all the major players have an, an EV. We saw the, you right. saw the commercials at Super Bowl. Uh, none of them was advertising regular gas vehicles it was all evs they were advertising and if you just if you look at ford in march 2020 their stock was four dollars now it's 20 25 dollars and people are anticipating their electrical truck yeah you know tesla's at a thousand dollars plus so i'm like okay these ev companies that are public you know, that are four, five, 10, $20, I can afford that now. So if I can invest as much as possible, I'm hoping if Tesla's a thousand, maybe this 500, maybe it's 800 a share. Mm. And then um, last week, Biden made the announcement, they want to invest $5 billion in um, electrical stations, right? Because the cars are being produced, but there's no station. Yep. And also the so, roads that can charge EVs too. So when um, I was already investing in ChargePoint, they do the electrical stations. But that's when a, Biden that's a great idea. When Biden made that announcement, their stock went up, right? So people, I say that to say that this is and it's so much, right? Because it's politics. But when these announcements are made, whether it's from the president or these companies and news, you know, think about what's going on. Think about infrastructure. Think about what do I need to invest in? What's going to pop off? Um, Whether it's five years or um, 10 years from now. I bought Moderna stock when it was $29 at the beginning of the pandemic. Wow. It went up to it went up to four hundred dollars, and now it's like a hundred something. But it was like, you know, just making that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we need a vaccine. It's a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, that that was that was great thinking. There, great thinking. Yeah. All right, I've, man. Let's, that was that was that's some great. That that was, yeah, that was. That's something that we people should pay you money for right there. The the gems that you just dropped there. That is that's what some good change. So people, you, you go go consult, go pay that money to Michelle. <laughs> you know, she's worth every dime. She just gave you some great stuff right there. And yeah, I'm gonna use all that and invest too. You know, and, and so that's why you should give money to invest also at the same time. So Michelle. I can't thank you enough. Uh, yeah, I remember Messi Baku. 
Um, I don't know. I can't remember any thank you in local languages from Cameroon. But I can say uh, um, Barang from the Manjaku in the Gambia. I can I remember that one, and I'll go with that one. But uh, final question for you, as I wrap it up: What would you like to leave the audience with? It's a freestyle moment. Could be from your book that you're writing or from the one you've already written or from anything that inspires you. I would say um, the most important thing is to be proud of who you are, especially especially if you're an immigrant, immigrant child. It's not easy. I don't think it's easy. And But be proud of who you are. Be proud of your heritage, your culture. And no, that's just one of many things that make you unique and tell your story. Um, so believe in yourself. People are going to doubt you. Mm-hmm. And you have to move forward in spite of. So believe in yourself. Thank you for those beautiful words. Please, where can the people find you? Uh, you know, if they want to get in touch with you. Yeah, Michelle Gomez, N-G-O-M-E. You can follow me on Instagram for the cool stuff, Facebook for the real stuff, and LinkedIn for the professional stuff. Yay. My website, and my website is michellegomez.com. All righty. You heard that, and it will be in the show notes. All the links will be there. Make sure you check it out. And go show Michelle some love, all right? Umbana, as my people say, the jaws. Again, you know, multiple thank you. That's another thing I get from this show. The multiple thank yous, you get that. Um, yeah, I, I don't really speak a lot of languages. Just not to say thank you in almost many languages. It works. It works. We go to airports. So, hey, looking forward to having you back on the show again. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. We'll definitely hang out again. So, you're welcome. Hey, everyone listening. Don't forget to go to www.whitelabelamerican.com. Hit that subscribe button. If you want to donate, hey, buy us a cup of coffee or join our Patreon. Just as low as $3 or you give us as much as Jeff Bezos gives his black bald friends. We accept it all. We love you all. You know, do it all. You know, or you buy our merch. You know, we have t-shirts, hoodies, everything. Go out there, give us some love and we love you too. Thank you for the privilege of your company. See you next week. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at White Label American at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram at white label american thank you for your support